Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 40. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 40. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, "'Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress.' And he said to them, "'Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house?' And they did not understand this saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. You may be seated. Good morning. If you'd like to open your Bibles or your Bible app to Ephesians chapter 1, we'll be looking at this text in a few moments. But first, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful to you for all that you have done for us. And Father, we are we're thankful for families. We're thankful for mothers and their part in raising us and trying to teach us how to live. And Heavenly Father, we're thankful for Your Word that seeks to train us and to raise us up to be Your people and to fulfill the purposes that You have given us. We want to be humble before Your Word. And so we pray for, for ears that will be open, for eyes that can see, for hearts that can be shaped by Your will and Your Word. Father, we acknowledge freely that we depend on you. We pray that you will be glorified and honored. You will be revered. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you might forgive us and help us to, to be strong in serving you. We ask all these things through your Son's name. Amen. Over a week ago, I sent out an email to our mothers with babies. And these are the pictures we received. Aren't they just beautiful? <laughs> if you're a parent, you know what it is to hold your baby and to look into that face with hope for his or her future. 
And many things will be needed to help train that child to grow up. We can positively influence their development. We can show them love and provide protection. We can provide nutrition and give them opportunities to learn, to socialize and develop skills. We can teach them about what is valuable and what is true. We can teach them about God. They will need this sort of training in order to learn how to live well. And this brings me to Mark's preaching series. In his Sunday morning lessons, Mark has been taking us through the letter of Ephesians. And we've also been studying it in our morning Bible classes. And just as we train our children, the Lord seeks to help us grow up into Christ. And this letter helps us better understand who God desires us to be. So this morning, if you're visiting for the first time, this lesson can serve as sort of a a brief introduction and summary of the ideas that we have been looking at for a number of weeks. And for the rest of us, it's a general review. Ephesians contains a message. It's a message that is bigger than any of our lives. And while Ephesians is a letter, the message, the ideas within this letter can also be told as a story. A story of what God is doing and what He has planned and what He wants to achieve with our lives. And if we will allow it, our personal story can become caught up into the much more meaningful story of what God is doing. The message we are about to look at and explore, it's not my message. This is what the very earliest Christians believed. It's what the Apostle Paul wrote down to help train God's people. Later in this lesson, we're going to be looking and considering what is in a mother's heart. But first, let us delve into what Paul has revealed is in our Heavenly Father's heart. Ephesians informs us that before the world existed, God had a plan. God chose what would happen for those who would be in Christ. He chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless before Him. God also predetermined some things. He predestined that it would be through Christ that He would adopt us to be His children. This plan also called for God to redeem us. This required sending His Son to die and give His blood so that He could purchase us for Himself. And furthermore, the goal of all of this activity was to unite everything in heaven and earth under Christ. And so there's this plan before the world even begins of what God wants to do and the strategy that He has. And it's an incredible plan. At its center, God intends to work through Christ to not only purify a people, but to cause them to become members of His family, all united under Christ. A wonderful plan. An old expression summarizes the plans that we might make. You know it. 
the plans of mice and men often go astray. But this is not true for God. God has the power to fulfill and enact His plan. And so as Paul would write to the holy people of God, he prays for them and for us to grow into a knowledge of God and to comprehend how God's power has already worked in the lives of us who believe to achieve His great plan and to ensure that we grasp the scope of its height and depth and breadth and width, Paul proceeded to explain that God's power for us is like the power that he used when he raised Jesus from the dead. Here is how God's power toward us was poured out. Before we responded to Christ, we were spiritually dead and served sources of disobedience. We might have claimed to be free, but we were serving and enslaved to those desires that would take us far away from God and bring us under God's judgment. But just as the power of God took the body of Christ and raised him up and gave him life, so too we learn that God's power rescued us from our hopeless situation. In his grace, as his gift, God made us spiritually alive with Christ and raised us up with Christ to start a brand new life. A life enjoying unity and fellowship with God. And hence, when we became followers of Christ, we were spiritual babies. And no matter what we had done, no matter how great the guilt and the shame, no matter what it was, we became people with a brand new spiritual start. And, and Paul continued to write, this is not all of the message that we find there in Ephesians, there's much more. He says, you know, God did not rescue us just so we could do the same thing all over again. But rather, He has given us a meaningful new direction and purpose to fulfill with our lives. In His words, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we are His workmanship, having been created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God has prepared beforehand. Workmanship. Not only does God make us alive and give us new life, but He says, you're not to be the way that you used to be. I am recreating you, and you are to be my workmanship to fulfill the purposes that I have for you. These good works that we're to do brings us to the latter three chapters of Ephesians. In the first three chapters, we've learned about the plan that God has. We've learned about His power. We've learned how He has been working through Christ in the church. And having laid this fantastic foundation of, of who our God is and what He's trying to do in this world and how that impacts us as His family, Paul now turns in those last three chapters to begin to give us the practical details of what it means to be His workmanship, how we live up to a calling that, how we live worthily of the calling that He has given us in being His people in this workmanship. You see, as His workmanship, God enlists our service to promote His grand plan 
of unity. And having been adopted by God to be His children, we need to learn how to think and how to value and how to behave in order to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace that God has created. We need to learn to live worthily of this calling, this rich and beautiful calling that God has provided to us in Christ. We need to promote and not work against God's goal and plan. And so what we find in those last chapters is things like every time that we forgive, by releasing another person from the debt of harm that they have done to us, when reconciliation occurs, we are God's workmanship, promoting God's work in this world. Every time we actively seek the well-being of another person in the same way that, that God has loved us, we, we imitate the love of Christ, and we show that to other people. We serve God and fulfill our purpose as His workmanship. We grow up in Christ and are engaged in good works. God has planned for us to do when we live holy lives in a dark world and bring goodness into our workplace and families and communities. And so in the coming weeks, through Mark's sermons as well as in our Bible classes on Sunday morning, we're going to be focusing and learning more and more about how we are to live as God's people, as His workmanship, that God's purposes can be fulfilled in our lives that the plan that he has will continue to move forward. Well, God enabled Paul to write for us a little part of what is in the heart of God so that we can understand. If you will, it's sort of like the sergeant who has been given insight from the general and he passes it on to the foot soldier, the private, so that the person here in the ranks can understand what the big picture is and where we're going and why it's so important. And God enabled Paul to write to us, to give us this message. You see, God has planned to work through His Son for our good, a good that involves uniting the things of heaven and of earth. And God has given us a role to play in this grand plan. We're to promote His purpose by how we live. We don't help the enemy. We don't help Satan. We don't grieve the spirit by allowing the evil one to get a foothold in our life and to, and to work against those good things that God is trying to do. No, we, we live as children of light and push the darkness far away. We don't help the enemy through our attitudes and behavior. Well, God has not just enlisted our service. Throughout history, God has enlisted many to fulfill His purposes. And most of the time, when God enlists people to serve Him, He gives them general principles that they are to follow. And if they will, then they do His will. Principles like love God and love others. However, sometimes, at very critical junctures, God has enlisted people to serve very specific roles. And one of those was Mary. Scripture only provides glimpses into Mary's life as a mother. As with any mother, 
There are moments and thoughts that she treasured in her heart. And this morning, we're going to look at two stories about a mother's heart. After Jesus was born, shepherds came to Mary. And they told her a story. They, they told her that an angel had appeared while they were out there in the fields. And the angel had said that in the city of David, a Savior was born, the Messiah. And there, there would be a sign. They would find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then at that point, a heavenly host broke out of angels singing and praising God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom He is pleased. And we are told that Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. Later when Jesus was 12 years old, in the text that David read for us, we, we learned that at the time of the Passover, when the family headed home with, with, with all the family, relatives, and friends, and that a group headed off, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And three days later, Mary and Joseph, they find him in the temple, speaking with the teachers. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. But he replied, Why are you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? His mother kept all these things in her heart. What might have been in the heart of Mary? Exactly what sort of thoughts might she have been treasuring up? I don't know a woman's perspective. I, I, I don't know all the sorts of things that could be in a mother's heart. So I sent a questionnaire to a sampling of some of our mothers. Some of the mothers were mothers of babies or very small children, and other mothers were those who, who graduated. Their, their kids have graduated from high school decades and decades ago. Some of our, the mothers were, are new to our congregation, and others have been here for years. These mothers come from all different cultural backgrounds within our church family. And I've learned something. Not all mothers read their email. <laughs> but I, I've taken these responses and I've taken off the names. And there'll, there'll be the responses we posted on our website if you'd like to read what some of our mothers thought. And time doesn't permit sharing all of this. Many of the comments I received overlapped. And here's a sampling of what some of our mothers, Christian mothers, think might have been in Mary's heart. One mother wrote, Considering the previous chapter, and especially the previous verses, I imagine that Mary was curious as to how God's plans were going to develop. She knew God's overall plan, but not the details, how her life and the life of her child would develop. So, as the story develops with every event, I imagine she would be pondering how those events would influence or impact her baby's life. 
What does it mean that angels were singing in heaven? What events will it trigger? Another mom wrote, When I have thoughts of Mary and her journey, I've always been overwhelmed at what could possibly be going on in her mind and soul and heart at varying times throughout her life. For God to have chosen her speaks volumes, I think. How do you even begin to comprehend that your firstborn was to be the divine one? Throughout, though she didn't always understand the hows or whys, she was faithful and obedient. Possibly she treasured and pondered the sheer joy that her family was chosen to carry out his will. From the heart of a mother came these words. I believe she was, for the first time, beginning to understand just how special this baby boy was and likely pondered her responsibility in raising him. Still another mother shared, after three days of searching for Jesus, Mary was understandably anxious and upset. I, I can't imagine what that would have been like. Even after Jesus' explanation, Mary still didn't understand. However, I think this just reinforced her first impression at his birth. Jesus was no ordinary child. Another mother mused, Mary is frightened when she scolds Jesus for wandering off. And while Jesus may have been in his father's house, he was also 12 years old and required discipline to grow more wise. Did he need Mary and Joseph's guidance? I have to believe so. He was only a child. But his question back to her must have triggered many more questions in her mind. And finally, another mother's thoughts. I would think Mary had all of the same thoughts, feelings, anxieties, emotions any mother does for their children. Only hers were even more complex by the fact that her son was the son of God. I do not think she knew exactly what was in store for her son, but she trusted God. Her life certainly was not easier because she was his mother. When it says she pondered all these things taking place and treasured them in her heart, I think she had all of the above emotions, but knew he was even more special and treasured in her heart everything taking place. Raising children. We have mothers here. Mothers who are seeking to raise children. To be God's workmanship. To the glory and praise of God. What about our mothers? What's, what do they treasure in their hearts as, as, as you raise children? Here's some samplings of what I received. I too worry about the safety of my children. Will they remember what I've tried to teach them? I can pray for comfort and ask God to protect and guide them. Another mother shared, I treasure moments when my children and I connect. It could be a time when we're laughing at the same time, or even when I'm teaching them why the last thing they did was displeasing to God. In the good and bad. I have learned to treasure that God chose me to be their mother. No one else was supposed to have that job. He gave it to me. A mom communicated, what matters most and what I treasure is whether they will serve God. This is the best life that you can live with. From a mother's heart came these words, my heart goes to those moments when their hearts and personalities were revealed through words or actions. 
Those moments do not happen every day. Usually it's revealed through a special way of saying something, be it an intonation or choice of words or the innocent and piercing ways young children reveal or question truth or their reality. Sometimes those moments are filled with humor, and sometimes they are filled with an overwhelming evidence of wisdom and truth, totally unexpected to be heard from little people. And finally, one of our mothers became caught up in, in sharing as her words poured forth, directed at her children, and she, she wrote as if she was writing to her children. Yesterday, in church, Mark was talking about being rich in blessings. I got teary-eyed thinking about how much God blessed me by giving me two wonderful sons. There really are not adequate words to let you know how much I have in my heart for you. I want you to know that I'll love you forever. If you're a parent, you know what it means to care for your child or children. You understand the love that can drive you to sacrifice and the effort that you put forward in trying to bless and to raise your children up. And sometimes your children did not or will not understand the boundaries or the training. They may say, but I don't want to. I want to go a different way. But you're using your best understanding to bless them and to shape their character, to help them know how to live well. Now consider for a second that we are God's children. God's love has made it possible for us to experience a new birth and become adopted as His children. And since as parents, we understand the love that a parent has for a child, as God's children, we can understand a little bit about the love that God has for us. God desires the best for us. He gave the best for us. His Son died for us. And He has given us an identity and a meaningful purpose that's not rooted in some job title. It's not rooted in how many people might like us or what we might achieve or acquire, or how much money we might have, or whether our husband loves us, nor in any other item of a whole list of sundry things that people do build their lives on. No, he has given us an identity and a, meaningful, and a meaningness, meaningfulness founded in something so much greater. He's anchored our identity in something that life circumstances can't change, nor can the enemy change. We are God's people. And furthermore, he's given us meaningful work to do. As his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, we are to be about doing the good work that God wants us to do, that he's prepared for us to do, that he wants his people to promote, promote his ways, promote the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, to love as He has loved us, to be the holy pe His holy people wherever we might go. Ephesians, this letter, it describes the power that God desires to release in each of our lives. This is not a, my story, a story that I'm telling, that I have made up. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the very earliest church 
to let them know what God had revealed about what was true, that God's power transforms us and it gives us a new spiritual start filled with God's purpose. In Ephesians chapter 2, when Paul describes this, this moment, this time when God releases His power to transform us and it occurs at conversion, Paul used the language and the metaphors associated with baptism. So in Ephesians 2, he, he talks about we were dead in sin, but then what does God's power do? Well, it, it makes us alive with Christ. It raises us up with Christ into those spiritual or heavenly realms. When writing to the church in Colossae in chapter 2, it's the same language that Paul will bring out as he describes conversion and this transformation. And he says, having been buried with him in baptism, you also have been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And even though you were dead in your transgressions, he nevertheless made you alive with him, having forgiven all your transgressions, all your sins. What a beautiful message of grace. What love the Father has poured out upon us, enabling our rescue. If you want to learn more about becoming a child of God, please talk with us. If you have any prayer concerns, something that you'd like to bring before your church family that, that we can be praying about as we walk together to seek to fulfill all that God has intended for us to, to do as His people, we have that opportunity now while we stand and sing.